This podcast is brought to you by Eisner Award-winning comic book store, Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And listeners like you, head to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click donate or check us out at Patreon backslash TwoHeadedNerd. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha, in caverns deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 673 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. I'm your head number one. My name is Matt Baum, and this podcast was almost shelved by the WB until they realize they don't own us yet. Da, da, da. I mean, our phone number's listed. Yeah, I know. You can buy it and shelve it. For the right price, shelve the hell out of this thing. I'll I'll take whatever you spent on Batgirl. Yeah. I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick, your head number two. And yes, it's sad that Batgirl won't hit any screen, but did they have to go and kick Scooby-Doo while they were at it? I mean, come on, Scoob. People love Scoob. I know. We're back to reviewing new comics this week, and after that, we'll head up to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to talk about our must-read picks for next week. I don't think Scooby-Doo's been good for a long time, to be perfectly honest. I don't think you are an authority on that. I think that Scooby-Doo has had some very successful cartoons in recent years. Maybe. I don't know. After we're done fighting about Scooby-Doo, we'll have a very special sneak peek at our Patreon Extra, where we're celebrating a very special birthday. (gasps) For a very special birthday, boy. Who is it? Grow up. And counting down our top five comic book, Joe's Hint. Did I forget to mention it's Joe's birthday? It is my birthday. Well, there's no time for cake and ice cream because it's review time in the Ziggurat. We come here to work, Joe. All right. (laughs) Oh, God forbid. Our new comic review pile comes from the last two new comic book Wednesdays, and this time it's got everything from Haunted Batmans. I'm sorry, it's Batman. Batman. Lady Shazam's. Batmans. It's Batman. <laughs> Batman. Lady Shazam's. Ant-Man from across the time stream, but it all starts with a Space Age Superman. Matt, let's start. Last Wednesday, July 27th's review file. Like Joe mentioned, it's Superman, Space Age, book one from DC. This thing was $9.99 because it's like 88 It is a beefy boy. Yeah, it's going to be part of a big graphic novel when it's all done. This was written by Mark Russell with art by Michael Spike Alred. That's new, right? What? Yeah. Right? (laughs) I don't recall this one. Here's your solicit. Meet Clark Kent, a young reporter who just learned that the world will soon come to an end. Crisis on infinite earths. That's in parentheses. Weird way to say it, but you know, that's what they're talking about. And there's nothing he can do to save it. Sounds like a job for his alter ego, Superman. After years of standing idle, the young man from Krypton defies the wishes of his fathers to come out the wishes of his father, not his father. Oh no, both fathers told him chill out. <laughs> that's right. I forgot. I mean, yeah. To come out to the world as the first superhero of the space age. As each decade passes and each new danger emerges, he wonders if this is the one that will kill him and everyone he loves. Superman realizes that even good intentions are not without their backlash as the world around him transforms into a place as determined to destroy itself as he is to save it. Uniting the critically acclaimed writer Mark Russell, who worked on One Star Squadron and the Flintstones, you may have heard us talk about him before. And Eisner winner, rub it in her face, Mike Alred, who worked on Silver <laughs> Surfer and Bowie, Stardust, Ray Guns, and Moonage. 
daydreams for the first time. This I don't series. know if that's how you pronounce it. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> for the first time, this series promises fans an unforgettable journey through U.S. history and culture, starring our beloved characters. It says Superman on the cover. There's a lot of other people that show up. There was another the WB doesn't know what to do with Superman article making the rounds on social media this past weekend. I followed a few comic writers thread on the subject and I can't remember who started it, but I think it was Steve Orlando who just came out and said, just get a comic writer who understands soups to write the movie. Now on paper, that sounds very easy, right? But we'd all have to first agree on what constitutes understanding Superman. It's not hard. Sorry. Like, I'm sorry. I, I know what you're, I know what you're getting at here, but it's not hard. It shouldn't be hard. And there a whole argument spawned off of that. And then someone else came in and was like, we're doing this wrong and it shouldn't be hard. And this is why Warner brothers is where they are. Where am I going with this? You're asking. I'll get there. Mark Russell is basically reimagining the entire DCU in this Superman story. And not only is he demonstrating that he fundamentally understands Superman he seems to have captured something the DCU lost a while back and is still desperately in need of the power of hope. We have seen plenty of these out of continuity stories that build their own history. Some are better than others, but Russell and Alred have the beginning of what looks to be one of the best that I have read. And it's centered around the origin of Superman, their specific origin. So it's not too different. You'll see. Alred is a legend. If you don't like his art, you and I probably don't agree on most things. And he hasn't really redesigned any of the characters here, aside from a very mod bat suit that I totally loved. But Russell is. Yeah, that was cool. It's great. Russell is gently building the entire history of the Justice League and the DC Universe around Superman here, who grew up in the historically accurate 1960s. I say historically accurate for the most part, because, you know, Pariah shows up, <laughs> but I'm sure we'll get yeah, there. <laughs> you know, Joe and I both thought this story would be similar to the life story that we saw at Marvel that showed Spider-Man and the FF aging in real time, but they might be creating a whole new DCU around this 60s Superman. To circle back, Mark Russell gets Superman and he's writing a story about a hero that's not trying to save the world. He's just trying to be there when people need help. If the WB was smart at all, they would just start all over with a premise just like what we got in Superman, the space age, number one. I cannot give this a bigger buy it. This was tremendously good. Maybe even better executed than Marvel's Life Stories comics. Life Story is an alternate version of history where it's like, this is when this character would have first been relevant in like a modern setting. Right. Uh, the, you know, cold war. And, um, and then in the next issue, they're jumping him forward in time. And Batman in his weird tactical gear is going to have like an actual Batman costume. Like like they showed it on the last page. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's a, it's a great approach. Um, I think these two guys just absolutely crush it. They crush it. Yeah. I'm not saying that there aren't other artists that would also be great for this kind of project, but Mike Allred is especially good at capturing that kind of Cold War era, Silver Age aesthetic with a modern eye. Is he on the next one too, or is it a different artist? 
I honestly am not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure if they've or if they're changing artists with each issue. Um, I haven't looked it up. But for this issue, yeah, it's expensive. But it is like the length of three or four regular comics yeah. in one go, and it's it's and gonna be worth it. There's it, gonna like, be it, awards thrown at this one. There's no question. You could you could easily not buy four things from the last two weeks and not feel bad about it. Sure, <laughs> uh, this is a this is a huge buy. It, it, it is just absolutely incredible. Bright and sunshiny. My first review of this week is Detective Comics 1062. Uh, this is also from DC. It's written by Ram V and Cy Spurrier with art by Raphael Albuquerque and Danny, the uh, singularly named Danny. And if you are friends you with any of these people, I think you should call them, make sure they're okay, and maybe give them a hug. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. Here's your solicit, Gotham Nocturne, part 104, colon, overture. It's a new era for the detective of the night as we introduce award-winning new series writer Ray M.V. You know him from Catwoman and the many deaths of Layla Starr. Uh, you know what? Which I think I'm going to start reading tonight. It's And excellent. artist, oh, I've heard nothing but great things. And artist extraordinaire, Rafael Albuquerque from American Vampire fame. He also did Superman Batman back in the day. He really good. Together, they'll be turning Gotham into a tragic yet beautiful gothic opera for our eyes and ears to feast on. Something is terribly wrong with Batman. No matter the tests Bruce takes, nor the numbers he counts, the greatest detective in the world can't pin down the source of this creeping dread of his own inner demons and a looming mortality. Meanwhile, real demons roam the shadows as an ancient melody haunts the Gotham night. Here now... The curtains rise, and as the eerie tune streams in, who is human? Who is demon? Stop who it. is to tell? Stop it, dude. As Batman investigates the songs and the demons of Gotham, he is forced to confront the oldest question, whether there has been a demon within him all along, and if so, what does it want, and why hasn't it taken over yet? That is a solicit. Oh, yeah. Uh, if there's one thing that can be said for Detective Comics 1062, it's that it definitely has a strong sense of identity all its own. It's not just a second or third or fifth Batman title. It's not mired in endless crossovers. It is dripping with moody energy. The true gothic opera that the solicit promises. Something is wrong, not just in Gotham, but with Batman's body as well. It seems to be failing him without explanation, while the bizarre demonic society gains a foothold in the city, turning mobsters into gross Solomon Grundy's. It's disgusting. Yeah, like green goo coming out of their mouth. It's bad news. It's no good. I was surprised to see the name of Dark Knight's Metal's big bad Barbados get dropped. Yeah. But, 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 but. It looks like writer Ram V is drawing more from the mythological interpretation from ancient folklore. Barbados is an actual named demon uh, in like the hierarchy of hell, uh, more so than Scott Snyder's rock and roll demon in the ratty hoodie from events past. Not to be confused with popular vacation destination, Barbados. Barbados. <laughs> yes, no. Barbatos. <laughs> you do not want to go to Barbados. Yeah. No. 
V absolutely nails the characterization of both Batman and Nightwing with banter that speaks to a bond shared by father and son. There's a sense of dread that creeps throughout the issue as nightmares blend with reality, and it is very effective. Cy Spurrier's backup story features former Commissioner Jim Gordon suffering in his retirement and thrown into an unexpected new purpose. I'm glad to see Gordon back in the spotlight in one of the main books, and I hope he regains a spot as a permanent fixture in Batman's life. Apparently he was like the main character of the Joker ongoing series, but I would never yeah. know because I don't give a shit about the Joker. That series is so good, dude. I'm oh sure my it God. was, but I didn't look, maybe I'll read it someday, but I haven't been, I didn't read it. it so, and it's over now. So whatever. Possibly good. I loved it. The art throughout the issue by Albuquerque and Danny is of course outstanding. Uh, as I said, it is gross. It's disturbing and totally fitting the story. Detective Comics 1062 kicks off an exciting new era and gives the series a fresh voice that makes it stand apart from the rest of the Batman line. This gets a huge buy at DC two for two for July 27th. Yeah. So Ram V, I was not worried about this guy at all. Ram V is great. No, Ram same. No, no, no. I knew it was going to be good. Fantastic comics. Go check out his Catwoman run. If you did not, it was so good. Even if you don't like Catwoman, I challenge you to read it and tell me it sucked. The art, like you said, stunning. Albuquerque is unreal good at what he does. And this book just looks slick as hell. It is dripping with style. And I love it. My favorite thing about this comic book, it's Detective Comics 1062. It's not, it's not renumbered. It's not some special anniversary issue. Just 1062. Here's another issue of Detective Comics with a new creative team that is totally kick-ass. That's telling a story. That fits just fine in continuity. Don't worry right. about it. You know, the Nightwing's here. Talia's here. There's cool stuff you're going to recognize going on. Oh, yeah, Talia. Mm-hmm. It's just a great Batman story. That's all I ask for. Right. And, like, and, and you know what? I like, for all the shit we give DC and Marvel, for that matter, about, like, oh, it's a new number one, or what book's getting relaunched this time, DC especially... They're totally fine with action comics and detective comics just being like, just being. Now, with that right? said, they also had like 17 other number ones on the stands this week. No, so I, again, they just do no, it I, Like, I get that. Like, they, they, they do. They are guilty of that. Yeah. But I guess sales will bear will have to bear it out eventually. But like, they've proven that they're not afraid to just say, yeah, it's this, it's random issue of detective comics. Right. And it's time to do this high profile push with a new, exciting creative team yeah. in a fresh direction. Like, I, just could, do it. You can do it with Batman, Detective, just do it. Action, Superman. Like, that stuff works. Yeah, I'm into it. Huge buy it. You know, not everyone has villains as scary as Batman. So some people can dress up like ants to strike fear into the heart of their pretty lame villains. We're jumping to Ant-Man, number one, from Marvel. It's $3.99. It was written by Al Ewing with art by Tom Riley. Here is your solicit. Flashback to the early days of Hank Pym's career as the astonishing Ant-Man. It's date night for Hank and his girlfriend, Janet Van Dyne. But nobody told that to Ant-Man's enemies. Watch as Hank's antagonists band together (laughs) to finally take down the scientific adventurer. But will anyone come to his rescue? And who is the mysterious stranger who stalks him? Join Al Ewing, who worked on Immortal Hulk, and Tom Riley, who worked on The Thing, as they explore the history of every hero, past, present, and future, called Ant-Man. The solicit is not kidding. This issue is Al Ewing 
writing a Silver Age blast from Hank Pym's past, paying homage to his adventures in Tales to Astonish. It's fun for a few pages, <laughs> and it introduced me to some truly bad Ant-Man villains, including a guy with a spray gun full of paralyzing spray and an avant-garde jazz trumpeter that can control your mind with his discordant notes. <laughs> now, everybody had bad villains back in the day. I get it. But these were, like, especially bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. They were late. I'll, 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 I'll circle back around <laughs> yeah. to that. I'll, I'll let you keep talking, but I have, I have some thoughts along those lines. Obviously, there's timey-wimey stuff going on in the book, but we get to see a young Scott Lang, who was still a burglar at the time, and an even younger Eric O'Grady, who was an Archie-level teen bully shithead. Point of order, sir. Archie <laughs> has never been a bully. No, I'm saying an Archie-level bully, like there were bullies in the Archie book. The I'll issue is silly, and it really leans into the Silver Age style. Riley's art is perfect for the story, and he has a very cool style shift when jumping from the future to the past. And it seems pretty simple when you look at it, but it is so distinct and awesome. I did get a little bored with the silly story. I get it. It's the first issue setting up time travel to all different parts of Ant-Man's past in the Marvel U, but this did not grab me quite yet. It was funny. It was cute. I'll check out issue two, but I wish this first issue would have leaned a little more into the mystery of future Ant-Man more than the shtick of the Silver Age silly storytelling. I can only give it a skim it. Like, it was fine. It was funny. Wrong. Incorrect. Okay. Uh, your opinion is incorrect. Um, <laughs> and you should feel bad for it. I do uh, not. No, this is, this is so great. Like, Al Ewing, he leans into this stupid nonsense so hard that it is hard not to be charmed by it. Like, literally, like, you call it a spray gun. That is being generous. It is a squirt bottle. Like, Windex. Yeah, I guess that's what I meant. Bottle. Like the same thing I correct my dog's behaviors with. I'm like, yeah, no, like, no. It's not like <laughs> it is literally a squirt bottle that he dumped out and then filled with hypnotic fluid uh -huh. or whatever the hell it is. Paralyzing um, fluid. That was that was paralyzing it. fluid. Sorry. And then yeah, you're like you're the jazz trumpeter. Like these are these like these are villains from an era where people are still kind of figuring out what a superhero is. Which seems weird because the Flash had been around for like six years at this point. Like DC brought back superheroes in 1954. Oh, right, right, right. Like Tales to Astonish. Yeah, Hank but, yeah. Pym became Ant-Man in the, in like after 1961. Yeah. After, after FF number one. And so superheroes, we knew what supervillains were, right? This is golden age stuff. Why are we doing this here uh, in the 1960s, Stanley? Yeah. Um, but uh, the art is so good. And uh, I loved the teases uh, about the, um, the future Ant-Men that cross his path. I thought that that was so fun. Um, yes, it's silly. Yes, it's an entire issue, but it's part of a larger story. Like I, get I, it. I thought that this was charming and fun and the art is so gorgeous. This was a buy it for me. I loved it. You're just a terrible person. I understand. Well, this is a difference in opinion and I'm not saying you're wrong. You know why, Joe? No, I'm, but you are wrong. Though. I am the bigger person. There you go. Okay. Well, <laughs> we'll see how much bigger either one of us feels when we get to my next review. Oof. When your dad was your age, he had ants in the pants. He did? 
Now you've got it. Wow. Remember the, the final review from July 27th is Gambit number one from Marvel Comics. It's written by Chris Claremont with art by Sid Kochian or Kochian. Here's your solicit. The all new adventures of the legendary thief by co-creator Chris Claremont. Accurate. You think you know all there is to know about Remy LeBeau, the raging Cajun, the mutant known as Gambit, but legendary ex-scribe Chris Claremont has an ace up his sleeve with this new series. Does he? Are you sure? Maybe it's not like a seven up his sleeve. <laughs> I think it's like a it's like a two. An I think. offsuit four, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, you did not? Before he joined the X-Men, Gambit encountered a mysterious girl named Roe. The mutant storm regressed to her child self by the by the nefarious nanny, also mysterious, but nefarious mainly. And the two went up against the forces of the Shadow King. Now revealed for the first time, Gambit finds his path to becoming the heroic X-Men. Millions of fans call their favorite. You hear that? Millions. Uh huh. Joined by rising star artist Sid Kochian, Chris weaves a story of action. Uh, not Claremont. Chris intrigue and revenge that made Gambit the mutant he is and forged his relationship with storm. If you, you'll if get you a charge, that, you gotta be like out of this boy, one. Chris, <laughs> Yo, it's me. Your boy, Chris, you'll get a charge out of this one. Mon ami <laughs> French words. Yes. Uh, I cannot tell a lie. I chose this comic for review for the express purpose of messing with Matt bomb. Yeah. And really it did, did. It did not disappoint. You really did. Letters start getting dropped from lines of dialogue within the very first sentence on the very first page. And it is glorious Mm -hmm. taking place in that legendary home of international intrigue called St. Louis Gambit and a de-aged storm are on the trail of the shadow King. We've heard this who is currently taking up residence in the mind of an FBI agent. Also hotbed of FBI activity, St. Louis. I mean, the FBI that's there everywhere. It's their job. Sure. There is a Dickensian secret society of little girl thieves because, of course, there is. Why not? (laughs) I have uh, I have several co-workers in St. Louis. I'll have to ask them what they know about it. Uh, Gambit spends the entire issue either kicking the shit out of Aurora or letting her get the shit kicked out of her by someone else, all under the guise of teachable moments. Uh, It's hard to understand why the hell she decided to follow him anywhere. I legitimately don't understand the draw of this comic, even though everything I'm complaining about is something we all praised Claremont for 30 plus years ago. You know, it's true. I don't understand why it doesn't work for for most of us today. I know maybe exactly why it doesn't. I know 100 percent. All right. Well, you get your chance. You get your chance. (laughs) The art by Sid Kochian is decent, except for the artist's constant tendency to draw storm as a chibi style anime baby when she is experiencing moments of stress which are which come often it is very distracting and honestly i wish the issue had been drawn by cover artist will sportaggio instead or very salvador la roca i take him too Oh, no, he's too busy drawing the extreme X-Men nostalgia yes. book that we're getting yes. uh, in a couple months. I know that we tease Marvel's unofficial line of nostalgia porn for 40 plus year old readers, but I really find it hard to believe that this is what anyone wanted out of a Gambit solo series. I'm giving this a leave it. It's bad. Uh, like it's bad. You, it, it's you bad. want to do like you want to do a Gambit solo series. Great. Here's exactly why it doesn't work. And whenever we go back and we revisit old Claremont X-Men stuff. We love it. 
but we love it from a point of view of I was this as a cage when I read right. this. It changed the way I thought about the X-Men. It challenged the way that I thought about mutants and stuff like that or, or, or superhero comics or whatever. And then we laugh about how bad the dialogue is or how they're dressed and stuff like that. Now, sure. Yeah. 30 yeah. years later, you take that same style and they go, Hey, Chris, we want you to write a, Hey, okay, it's your boy, Chris, get in here. Right. We want you to write a gambit story. And he goes, great. I have all these ideas for gambit. And they go, awesome. What are your ideas? And he's like, how about that 15 minutes that he ran around with Kid Storm before he joins yeah, the X-Men? Right. Like, you know what I didn't like back in the day? I didn't give a shit about Nanny reducing Storm to a kid back in the day. And I was so tired of everybody getting reduced to childhood. <laughs> and they did it a lot. <laughs> happened to Magneto. Yeah. Happened like, to Storm. I don't know that anybody really cares about that time that Storm and Gambit ran around in the goddamn Thieves Guild that I can't stand. You know, like... I'm not going to even go into my feelings gambit. We, everybody knows I don't care about this character. That doesn't mean he can't be in good comics. I really liked that rogue and gambit comic where they were married. Mr. Mr. And, and Mrs. Mrs. X. X. Yes, it was very good. It was a lot of fun. I could not deny it. And so I'm not saying that it's impossible for gambit to be in a comic and for me to like it. I'm saying I didn't even care about this back in the day and we're doing it now for reasons that I cannot comprehend because I don't see anybody clamoring for this story, this particular story, other than it's like, hey, we're making money on old guys buying Xbooks that they kind of remember. <laughs> you know? Right. No, it's a leave uh, it. We don't, it's a leave it and we don't need it, period. We just don't need it. No, I don't want to keep kicking. I, I, I don't want to keep hating because we've said our piece, but I, I wish that thing in that is in me. That allows me to go read old Jack Kirby comics or old uh, Legion comics or Silver Age Superman comics or whatever and appreciate them without just like mocking them endlessly. Uh, I wish that thing existed in me for Chris Claremont comics, because every time I try to go back and reread Chris Claremont comics, I am miserable and I'm sorry. I wish it were different because I would love, I'm not, I would, I would love to go back and like reread Inferno for the first time since I was a teenager. I, I would love I would to, love it. I would love to, <laughs> I would love it. I mean, let's I, hell, I don't know what segment that fits under, but we should figure it out. Um, but like, Take I would, a look, I would, it's in a book. I mean, come on, we, we do that. Stuff I mean, all I guess. Time. It's you know, not exactly or timely, TLDR, but whatever. you know, whatever uh, TLDR <laughs> is probably worth it. But I, I just, I wish I could enjoy Chris Claremont the way I did when I was younger and the way that some people still seem to be able to, I, I cannot, I can still very much enjoy the stuff that he wrote when he's younger, but I also enjoy it. Like I said, from that place, you have an added layer of, and if I enjoyment, yeah. and like, if you try and bring that place and put it in front of 47 year old map bomb, map bomb goes, yeah. <laughs> I don't really dress like no. that anymore. Or things right. like that. Anymore. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what would have made me a thousand percent more interested if they're going to do the Gambit nostalgia porn comic, have Scott Libdell write it yeah. and set it during the time period before he joins the X-Men, when he uh like he leads the uh the like he meets Mr. Sinister yeah. and he leads the Marauders to That's the Morlock. Like I wanna know about Gambit's story before he had anything to do with the X-Men. That's interesting. Yeah, because like, not like this shit I've already seen with Roe and the goddamn secret society. Stop it. Yeah, it's, it's dumb. Stop and, it with the like, secret look, society. I'm not gonna pile on the art because the art was what it was. 
And I think it's another one of those things where this is a style that might work for uh, maybe a younger or a little more humorous comic, like a younger ages or humorous comic. It's not bad. It just, when you do this in a Chris Claremont style and you're telling me a story from Gambit and Storm's past, well, that has some baggage that comes with it. And when you do it yeah. with this very new kind of like hip YA looking art, it doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit. Well, and that's just it is that like the art seemed perfectly normal and fine until, until they did those things, the baby stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Started doing the anime tricks, which also happened in our next book. Okay. And I wonder if you picked up on it. You must like to play cards. I like solitaire. Okay. Unless I got someone to play with. Here's how I'm going to introduce this. We're going to jump oh, forward okay. to this week, Wednesday. Yeah. And there's another character from Young Matt Bomb's life. Wednesday, that, my birthday. That he loves very much. Okay. And Matt birthday. had to ask himself some hard questions about this character after reading this comic. I hope so. It is sort of Azrael, number one from DC. It yeah. is $3.99. It is written by Dan Waters with art by Nicola Sismasia. There's no way I said that right, but I went for it. <laughs> so, but you know what? I think that I you said it, you said it without fear and without yep. hesitation. And I think that's, you know, half yes. the battle. The warrior angel of St. Dumas returns. Although it is fun to say St. Dumas. Jean Paul <laughs> Valley does not want to be Azrael ever again. Uh, he never really has wanted to, to be honest. All it has brought him is pain, violence, and misery. He has sequestered himself away at a monastery in Europe to find peace. But when a young woman who claims to have the same system programming that made Jean Paul into Azriel arrives at the monastery, he won't have a choice. But to don his violent mantle of Azriel wants more to protect her from the deadly assassins who wish to harm her and Azriel. From the rising star creative team of Dan Waters, who wrote Arkham City, Order of the World, Lucifer, and Nicola Sismagia, who wrote Batman Urban Legends and Future State Gotham, this miniseries. Or probably drew, drew them more. Oh, likely. pardon me, who drew them. Will redefine yeah. the Batman world's most iconic and fierce characters. Coffinbound and homesick pilots writer Dan Waters and artist Sismagia pair up again for a miniseries spinning out of their recent Azrael story from Batman Urban Myths 8 through 10. Reprinted in the Sword of Azrael Dark Knight of the Soul one shot that also hit stands this week. <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about number ones at DC. So there you go. It's a good way well, for Azrael I mean, if you dig this creative team. I think that that was a smart thing to do because a lot of people probably weren't reading Batman Urban Legends because it was an anthology. And it's a nice little primer for Azrael if you were I mean, excited I suppose, for the number one. Yeah, I, whatever. But you could always just say, see Batman Urban Legends 8 through 10. And then they go, oh, or you could just read this store. one shot. I'm going to go do my local comic shop a, f a favor and buy some back issues. The story here. They're not interested in doing your local comic book <laughs> shop a well favor. Aware. I hadn't read the urban legend story before this issue, which was fine. It doesn't seem like I missed anything huge. I did go back and read it after this. Jean Paul Valley is still dealing with his alter ego, Azrael, that believes it's a vengeful angel of God. Here he's holed up in a monastery in the Aegean Sea, just trying to do his thing and suffer like a monk. But sure enough, Bane's daughter, Vengeance, shows up. I didn't know Bane had a daughter. Bane has a daughter. Her name is Vengeance. And she's got some knights that old fans of Azrael are easily going to recognize. The story is fine. Azrael is still dealing with the same mental issues or the religious curse, depending on how you look at it, that he's always been dealing with. So don't come looking for any character growth or perhaps 
redefinition of any of Batman world's most iconic and fierce characters, <laughs> as the solicit says. The art here is a choice that didn't work for me. Nicola is very good, but there's an overly anime style, including that thing that characters do where their mouths move to the side of their heads. It, it, uh, it brings in, us in one panel. He had a gigantic sweat yeah. droplet on his forehead, which it, I was like, Nope, it no thanks. brings a level of humor to a story that I yes. don't think the writer intended. This is not a funny story. All right. This is Gene Paul, a fundamentally messed up, crazy person who legitimately does not know if God speaks to him and he's an angel or if he's just nuts because a group called the Knights of St. Dumbass uh, put some <laughs> monkey DNA in him and messed with his brain. Yeah, gorilla, gorilla DNA, right? primate DNA. Yeah. Again, it's not bad art, but there are some there are some really great looking panels, especially the way fight scenes are drawn. But the weird comedic facial anime elements just ripped me out of a story that, I'll be honest, I really wasn't that invested in to begin with. <laughs> and I'm wondering, maybe I've outgrown Asriel. Maybe I just like his costume. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, we'll see that. Now, that is like, I, I think if this were therapy, it would be called a breakthrough. I, it, I think it is because, like, quite honestly, I was, I was like, oh man, they're not really doing anything with Asriel. They're not really pushing. You know, the Azrael stone down the hill or, or letting him grow or but like they don't. This is the character. This is what he does. I think I might just be tired of Azrael being a whiny, crazy person. I'm giving this a skim it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Breakthrough. I think you've had a breakthrough I have. Um, because the Azrael costume is cool. It's cool as hell. Um, and I'm going to I'm going to just really quickly address the art uh, because I did think the art was great. Um, I it, it had a very like very, uh, strong like Riley Rosmo kind of surrealist mm -hmm. vibe to it. Yeah, when it was good, until, it was very good. Until the anime stuff, yeah. the manga stuff, which uh, again I am not dogging on manga or anime style artwork. No, I love it. A lot it of has it. its place. That place is not this comic book. And I would also argue um, when you look at like a very serious manga, a book like Berserk, for example, you know, yeah. the, the comedic weird face stuff does not happen because that book is terrifying. It's dark. It's violent. Like there's a time and a place for that. I get why it happens in Dragon Ball yeah, Z. Yeah, like you, you, like One Piece. Right. You I know, or why they did it in Trigun yeah. or something like that. Like, sure. It doesn't it's like, need oh, to no. be uh, Oh no, Azrael accidentally saw a girl's panties. Yeah. Throbbing head Yeah, noise. totally. Like yeah, that's like, not happening here. No, <laughs> this is uh, not funny. And it's like, it's one thing to be influenced by that style. Yes. Which is fine. But. When you have taken an otherwise excellent um, kind of melding of Eastern and Western comic styles and delivered a really great looking action comic and then thrown in those moments, very much like the Gambit comic, it is distracting yeah. to the point of like, I don't like I have to stop yeah, it because it's feels, too much. It feels tacked on. It feels tacked yeah. on to the art style. You don't need to do and it. You're I, very like, talented where, artist, like, Nicola. Don't do it. And like, this is where an editor steps in and goes, no, we're not doing that in this comic. That's not what this comic is. Or an editor steps in and goes, yep, I love it. That's going to get all the manga kids to read this because they love the webtoon. No manga kids. 
<laughs> but that's just it. It's like this doesn't look like the webtoon. I this agree. doesn't look anything like the webtoon. No manga kid's gonna be like, oh yeah. Nobody like nobody none of the manga kids even know this book exists. Look, you know that. I know that. Do you think their marketing knows that? No. And I think they want to believe that those kids are going to go, oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm into it. I see it. They do the thing with I the suppose, tears. I love but it. I also, like, <laughs> you know? I, I, I don't think, I don't think DC editorial and, and marketing have a lot of, you know, similar meetings. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's, we're, impossible, we're, to know. it's impossible to know. We, we're, we're making like weird suppositions. Yeah. We don't know any of that. We don't know the decisions behind uh, the, uh, the reasons why the decisions were made. Um, I don't think that they are good decisions. I think that it's distracting. Um, regarding Asriel, the character has always been what this character is. I know. And so know. there is like the, the glory days of Asriel that, that fans hold up as like this. They weren't even that standard. great. I, I admit they it. it. They weren't and that I'm great. I'm to tell you, like <laughs> I am not somebody that was a fan of the character growing up. I revisited Asriel uh, later on as an adult. I've read plenty of the Asriel as Batman stuff. I've read plenty of issues of the Denny O'Neill yeah. Asriel Batman ongoing series. Yeah. I've read issues of every single Azrael revival. I have the complete Azrael run. <laughs> I've read Azrael. And I am here to tell you this is always Azrael. I know. Always. And part of the problem I think is that because DC continuity has rebooted rebooted so many times, they keep rebooting Azrael and so we keep getting this like ground level and this entry level version of Azrael instead of Azrael at the end of the Denny O'Neill run that's been at it for a hundred issues. Right. They, yeah. He's not allowed to grow. He's not allowed to change period. And, and like you could say, well, yeah, well look at Batman. They do all kinds of stuff with Batman's character. Batman has changed a lot. Batman has grown a yeah, lot. No, it's absolutely. Joe 100%. Batman got married. Okay. I mean, who would have seen that coming? <laughs> right. you know? Yeah, exactly. But the point being like Azrael's not as important as Batman. He is. No, a, it's true. He's a C-list character at best with a cool costume. Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's a cool costume. And like, it's so cool. In fact, that when he was swinging around that actual like handheld fire sword, I was like, why isn't he? just using his like weird wolverine fire swords and then he did and i was like instantly better <laughs> it's instantly better um this is a skimmit uh we've been talking about it for way too long but yeah it's just like you can do something good with asriel just stop repeating the same shit kill him put somebody else in the costume i feel nothing for gene paul i don't know why I there would it. ever need the costume, to be a, though, right? <laughs> why would there ever need to be another asriel it seems like a bad idea but whatever i don't know You want to talk about growth. Let's talk about the new champion of Shazam number one from DC. It's written by Josie Campbell with art by Evan Doc Shaner. I love a good uh, quotational nickname. Yeah. Mike Spike Alred. Spike Alred, exactly. <laughs> Here's your solicit. Mary Bromfield has always struggled to determine who she is outside her family. Kind of hard to do when you're all superheroes. Now, after Billy Batson's heroic sacrifice, the power of Shazam has vanished and she's been left powerless. Most heroes would be distraught, but not Mary. It's finally time for a voyage of self-discovery as she prepares for her freshman year of college and civilian life. But nothing is ever truly normal for this young hero because she's just been chosen as the new champion of Shazam. At least according to a talking rabbit sent by her estranged brother, Billy. 
Will she embrace the power or will it die alongside this world's hope of survival against the mysterious magical forces waiting to take control? Find out in Mary's first solo miniseries brought to you by up and coming comics writer Josie Campbell, who wrote Future State Green Lantern and fan favorite Shazam artist. Evan Doc Shaner, who uh, is just off of the Tom King series Strange Adventures, and he also drew Convergence Shazam, which is several years old at this point, but still one of the best things to come out of Convergence. (laughs) Mary Marvel gets a long overdue chance to shine as the titular new champion of Shazam. Mary and her foster siblings have lost their connection to the power of the gods as a result of Billy trapping himself in the rock of eternity william see see recent issues of teen titans academy but the world still needs a champion no matter how hard mary tries to move on with her new life as a college freshman josie campbell's script is a true delight drawing on the familiar themes the modern shazam is best known for I meant that to say familial, not familiar, but either way it works. Still works. Readers are given a much needed refresher course on Mary's troubled history. Thankfully, no mention is made of Grant Morrison turning her into a pigtailed S&M goddess in the pages of Final Crisis. Thought she probably doesn't remember that. I mean, yeah, she she probably doesn't. (laughs) Mary or Marina, a cosmopolitan identity she almost immediately fails to adopt is awkward, unsure of herself, self-conscious about her place in her new social circle. The creators deliver some expert characterization with just a few lines of dialogue and some well-placed drawings of dingy luggage. Hoppy the Marvel Bunny makes a triumphant return, sort of, and I'm always happy when creators embrace Shazam's goofier elements. Give me a magical rabbit and a talking space worm all day, every day. I'm don't modernize Shazam. I don't care. Yeah. And you don't need to. You don't need you to. You don't need Fight to. Fight the urge. You know what? Put a pin in that thought. I want to come back around to it. Doc Shaner's artwork is breathtaking. He's the perfect artist to draw anything with even a hint of the Marvel family in it. And I'm not sure how it's possible that he looks even better than he did on Tom King's Strange Adventures, which was just beautiful. Shazam is a concept that I worry can't work as an ongoing, mostly because it feels like writers run out of steam with the antiquated tone, or maybe they lean into it a little too hard. That's fine. I'll take shorter stories like this in a miniseries format any day. Campbell and Shaner absolutely crush it with the first issue of the new champion of Shazam. This is a huge buy it regarding that pin I just placed. Uh, it's possible to tell a story with the kind of old fashioned elements like talking tigers, talking rabbits, fat uncles in capes. Sure. Uh, worms from space with the radios around their necks. You can do all that. Thieves guild. Modern even. Way. Sure. <laughs> thieves guild, right? Yeah, absolutely. Thieves guild. Um, you can do stuff like that without like, we've set it in an aw shucks time capsule of a town like 40 plus issues of jerry ordway's power of shazam you know what some people really liked about asriel where it's just like you just keep doing the same damn thing over and over and over going back to that well well okay they they did go back to the well here but they did it really effectively and mary's a little older and she's in college she's going through stuff that you can anybody can relate to and recognize the point being you don't have to do weird little anime tricks to make this look modern and you don't have to like stick to the formula only to the formula to make it because that's what works for this character 
She's got a goddamn talking rabbit. And I loved it. There is a, a very wide balance between reinventing the wheel and driving on the same old bald tires. Totally. Like you can do it. It's not hard. This is a massive buy it for me. And you're absolutely right. We don't need a monthly Shazam comic. We don't need it. When you've got a good Shazam story to tell, tell me a good Shazam story. I'm in. If you can't keep it rolling, I totally understand that. There's nothing wrong with that. Do it well. Do it in short bursts. I'm totally Billy's down. twin sister, Mary Batson, has also been granted special power. When she speaks the name... Shazam! Mary Batson becomes Mary Marble. Our last two reviews are going to focus on senior citizens. We're going to start with Frankenstein. <laughs> New World, number one from Dark Horse. It's $3.99. Senior citizens don't get enough play in comics these days, okay? No, they really don't. No, they don't. This is written by Mike Mignola, Thomas Nangowski, and Christopher Golden with art by Peter Bergting. Here's your solicit. Mignola's Frankenstein monster returns, safely tucked away inside the hollow earth where humanity survived after Ragnarok. Not the Thor one. Precious young Lyja, pardon me, precious young Lilja. receives visions of a new darkness taking root on the surface, defying her elders. Lilja awakens the timeless oracle, once known as Frankenstein, to investigate the warnings and perhaps even explore the new world above. This team of writers has been telling Hellboy stories that take place in all corners of Hellboy history forever now, but I don't think they've ever jumped this far into the future of the Hellboy mythos. There's still a nod to the BPRD here, but don't come in hoping any old characters show up. The frog demons that took over the Earth have had quite a while to erase humanity from the planet, and Peter Bergting does an excellent job creating a completely alien amphibian-friendly ecosystem. Lilja, or Lilja, I'm not sure, is a nice, youthful addition to the story, which otherwise would have just kind of been a silent Frankenstein exploring the surface of the earth post frog apocalypse. I like what the creative team is setting up here so far, but I also couldn't help wanting the story to connect to something I could identify a little more than the one reference that they dropped. Right. I'm on board for more and there's certainly nothing a new reader would need to know to jump right in. Sure. There's more than 15 years of backstory that led to this, but Frank and Lilja don't seem to know any history, so you don't really need to either. If you do, you might leave this one wanting just a little more. I'm giving it a skim it because I like the idea. I like what they're doing and the execution is very good, but I'm trying to think of like what I would say to somebody who's never read a BPRD comic that said, Matt, should I pick this up and read it? My answer is sure. <laughs> well, I mean, it's also not but labeled as a BPRD comic. It's right in the solicit. They say like, this is following. How many BPRD, people do you, you know? know? Read the solicit. If you open the book, the first thing you do is print that solicit on the first page. Okay, But that's fine. I'm talking about when you're in the shop and you see this book that just says Frankenstein it. new world. I get it. That's what's going to bring people in. Now I, I understand what you're up, saying. It says BPRD right there. So someone who doesn't know is going to be like, well, what is that? Maybe. I understand that. Or people right. that do know what it is is gonna might look at this comment and go, well, what is this? <laughs> you know, that's all I'm saying. That's where the confusion comes in. I I don't know. Like I was gonna give this a buy it because it's good. It is good. And like 
I, I, and I'm trying to debate whether or not, like, I, I don't know that the confuse, like whatever confusion you might be feeling about like references he's making, like he meets the, you know, he, he I'm finds not confused the about any references they're making. That's not what I said. What I'm saying I, is if this is going to be connected to something that I love so much as a BPRD, I wish maybe it was a little more connected. But we are a thousand years beyond any of, of that being possible. So, well, but Frankenstein's still here, isn't he? Well, sure. And you've got Frankenstein, and you've got this. Don't give that away. And <laughs> that's, a, that's a spoiler. I mean, you've got several touchstones from the BPR, the frogs. Like you've got, there are several things that longtime readers of, of the franchise will be like, yeah, okay. I understand. I, I know what's, I know what happened. I know when the six was. So I don't know if I buy that. Uh, like that's your opinion and that's fine. Like I'm, I just don't know if I oh, agree. Now my opinion is fine. No, no, no. no. <laughs> like I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not saying that, uh, like I understand what you're saying. I just don't know if I agree. Um, because this is a comic book about what comes after. So sure. the last thing I wanted was for like, the ghost of Johan to show up or something, you know, it's like, I don't need that. I, I, I don't need overt like the Hellboy universe never really did that kind of overt, like crossover type pandering stuff. And, um, I totally disagree. Hellboy was a member of the BPRD. They, I'm not saying he was, like, I know that he was a member the of the Hellboy B- comic became members, started the BPRT. <laughs> like, no, I know that Matt, but I'm saying like, there was a character, there was a character that showed up in a comic book we read, um, not that long ago. Um, and it took me a long time to figure out, holy crap, that's Witchfinder. Yeah. Like, but like, there's no, like there, there was no like. Ha ha, surprise, it's Witchfinder. You know, it was just like, he was just there. Like, this is a universe that was inhabited by characters and things happened to these characters. I totally understand all that. I, I just think maybe we're so far in the future, you're going to have to do something more to make me more invested. And I'm, I'm, and I agree. I understand what you're saying, but my whole thought is that's not really the point of this story and I'm not sure I need it. So I'm going to give this a buy it. I'm sticking to my guns. I'm All giving right. it a buy it. I thought it was well done. The idea, like I think that you could give this comic book to somebody that was interested in the, the name, right. And they flipped through it and, lo- and liked the art or whatever. And, and they're like, yeah, Frankenstein takes place in the far future post-apocalypse he's the savior of humanity it's like yeah great check it out and i think that you could put this in the hands of somebody that has never touched a bprd comic and they would be just fine um despite whatever it says on the title page like if they're interested in more come talk to me i'll tell you all about it sure but enjoy this comic book for what it is the story of frankenstein getting up off of his ass because humanity is in trouble yet again uh it's a buy it and i thought the art was really wonderful yeah the art's fantastic i have one question dr frankenstein that's frankenstein i beg your pardon my name it's pronounced frankenstein the second part of our senior citizen double feature is golden rage number one from image comics it's written by chrissy williams with art by lauren knight here's your solicit In a world where older women who have been deemed useless to society are abandoned on an island, Golden Rage documents their golden years of making friends, baking dessert, and fighting to the death. Created by writer Chrissy Williams, who was editor of Die and the Wicked and the Divine, and artist Lauren Knight, 
who has drawn Buffy the Vampire Slayer and colorist Sophie Dodgson, oh, who you, whose work you may have seen on Bitter Root and Tank Girl. This is the first issue of a brand new five issue miniseries where Battle Royale meets the Golden Girls. The fun thing about Golden Rage so far is that the story throws you right into the deep end. The Battle Royale meets Golden Girls thing is really just a tease in the solicit. Writer Chrissy Williams drops interesting hints about this mysterious island where women past a certain age appear to be abandoned to fend for themselves. For example, it's not just the elderly that are left behind, but women deemed quote unquote useless according to what society expects of them, like our point of view character, Jay. Jay has been taken in by what appears to be one of the island's more level headed groups, saved from certain death uh, by a Terminator esque Amazon named Rosie. I really like uh, also. Uh, the first line we hear from Rosie to Jay is hilarious to me. I really liked how Williams depicted Jay's fear and uncertainty, lashing out at those that have risked their own safety to protect her. Whatever moment of comfort she finds is short-lived as the island's most vicious faction bears down on their lighthouse home. The art by Laura Knight is okay. But I found myself not really loving it completely. I do love the layouts and her sense of design uh, and like her like character work and stuff, but her line work is inconsistent. It's thin and clean in some panels, thick and muddy in others. And sometimes it's in the same panel where it's just like thin, that character is thin and clean and crisp. And then that character is like, why are the lines so thick on that character? And then there's this rough shading throughout. And while that sometimes is successful at conveying a sense of the environment, like, for example, uh, they are underground and kind of like a bricked up like extension of the yeah. lighthouse. Yeah, it's not and well. You lit. can see that the, the shading uh, is like, oh, it, that's the bricks. I get it. But in other parts, it's just messy, like sh- filling in shadows but like not completely filling them in so it's just like scribbles yeah yeah i don't disagree with that i'm not completely sold by the art in golden rage number one but the concept and the mystery definitely have me hooked i'm giving this a buy it yeah this instantly felt like oh handmaid's tale spinoff i love it <laughs> like, it's sure, great, yeah. you know? no the premise is fantastic i thought like you thought there was gonna be a little more and because of what the solicit said i thought it was gonna be a little more just senior citizens but it makes sense as you get into it. The story is very well written. Great hook for the plot. I, I love what's going on here. And I'm always down for these battle Royale Lord of the flies type stories where it's like, everything was fine. And then we got lost in the woods and we ate each other, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, right. In. right. Like, let's do it. Uh, I do agree. I was looking at the art and I don't think that the figures are the problem. I think it, it it gets messy. It's not the figures. Yeah. It's the line quality. Yeah. It, yeah. Gets, it gets messy when there's certain points of view and uh, certain like dark areas and shaded areas. I agree. I don't think it's bad. And I honestly didn't even really notice it until you pointed it out quite. So screw you. You ruined this comic book for me. Um, no, but I really That's like it. That's what I'm, I'm here for. I'm giving it a buy it as well. It's very clever. This would not surprise me if you, this ended up on FX or HBO Max, or somewhere else soon as a show. It's just too good of a premise. I love it. Huge buy it. Need more new THN comic reviews? Your luck. You can check out our ludicrous speed reviews over at Two-Headed Nerd. 
comicsweekly.com. If you want to know more about the comics we just talked about, check out our show notes where you can find links with more info and hit us up in the THN Review CLB Show channel of our Discord to give us your thoughts. Joe Patrick, before we move on, we need to pick one of these comics to enter the THN private collection. What was the best thing you read this week? I did love Superman the Space Age a lot, but I am giving it to the new champion of Shazam. I'm doing the same thing. I really, really enjoyed it. I think... And the only reason I'm not giving it to Superman, uh, the Space Age, because that's going to be a oh. big, sexy, collected thing when it's all done. That's, a, that's right. That's that's going to be part of a larger experience. Right. Oh, also Detective Comics. It was like, great. DC had a lot of friggin' bangers this, the last couple great. of weeks. It was great. And it really does. I think, in my opinion, way harder to knock Mary Marvel out of the park than it is Batman or Superman. So I'm giving it to Champion of Shazam. For sure. Yeah, Doc sure. Shainer, man. Love that dude. Love that. Yeah, yeah me too. Me so too. good. Next week's new comics are just six days away, so it's time to head up to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum to Matt. You shouldn't have. I didn't. Adults should be ashamed of getting older, Joe. That was so sweet of you to have the Moloids decorate the Sanctum for my birthday with Eradicator-themed party favors and a Kellex-shaped cake. I wouldn't eat that if I were you. You guys are too much. Come on, Matt. Grab a piece of weird smelling green cake and tell the nerds about your must read picks for next Wednesday, August 10th. Uh, my pick for next week is Predator number one from Marvel. It's four ninety nine. It's written by Ed Brisson. Finally, It's got art by Kev Walker. There's a whole suit they had to go through. You're like, it was a mess, man. Here's your solicit. Hunt, kill, repeat. In the near future, a young girl sees her family slaughtered by the deadliest and most feared hunter in the universe. A predator. Years later, though her ship is barely holding together and food is running short, Theta won't stop stalking the spaceways until the Yaujta monster? Yaujta? I don't know what that is. Monster who killed her family is dead! Or she is. I don't know what that word is. Yeah. Editors note the word is pronounced Yaucha, which is the name of the predator species. Ed Brisson, who wrote... Fist and Ghost Rider, along with some other stuff we'll talk about in a second, and Kev Walker, who worked on Doctor Strange and Doctor Hephra, no relation, forge a violent, heartbreaking, and unforgettable new chapter in the Predator saga, not to be missed. Okay, I'm not like the biggest Predator nerd in the world. I have gone on record saying there's only one good Predator movie, and it's the first one. I am very excited for this new Predator movie. It looks like it's going to be great. I have read several Predator comics that I very much enjoy back in the day at Dark Horse. Yeah, like Batman versus Predator. Some of those crossovers were good, too. I totally agree. They are really good. What I'm saying is my heart is open, and I am ready for Predator, and I am ready for Ed Brisson, who wrote books like Sheltered and Silver Coin for Image, who's very good, and Kev Walker, who kicks all kinds of ass. I love love Kev Walker God, that guy's great. I'm ready for Predator to impress me, Marvel. Shouldn't be hard. Just do the job. That's all I ask. Now, <laughs> I'm saying there's a 50% chance I hate it. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> you got to hedge your bets. Yeah. My pick for next week is Love Everlasting, number one from Image Comics. It's $3.99. It's written by Tom King with art by Elsa Charatier. Uh, Charatier? Char- Charatier. 
Um, I'm sorry, Elsa. It's it's Fr- it's French looking. I'm Just sure. Just look at it and go. Shout out. Here is your solicit from award-winning superstar creators Tom King and Elsa C. Comes a new ongoing series set in a world as frighteningly fantastical as any found beyond the stars. Romance comics. Oh boy. Joan Peterson discovers that she is trapped in an endless cycle, a problem to be solved, a man to marry, and every time she falls in love, she disappears into another teary saga. Her bloody journey to freedom starts in this breathtaking, groundbreaking first issue. Now, Joe, you might be asking yourself, or you might be saying to me, asking me, two things, romance comics? And also, is this you asking um, you? Uh, it might be you. It might okay. you might be you might be, be saying Joe Joe Patrick Joe Patrick. What romance comics? What are you doing here? Romance com- Yeah, you know this is romance comics with a twist. Also, uh, you might be asking. I thought, don't you hate Tom King? No, I don't hate Tom no, King. You don't hate Tom King. My heart wants to love Tom King. I just have hated some Tom King projects. Um, but. Uh, I have checked out uh, parts of the first issue of this, which is uh, actually from Tom King's Substack, uh, and so this is Tom King and Elsa Charitier's uh, Substack coming to print uh, from Image, and it's real fun. If you're expecting just like a normal romance comic, <laughs> no, yeah, think again. This reminds me of, like Stray Dogs at Image, where it's just like, oh, it looks like a Don Bluth like animal fun like uh, no. Nope, it's not. No, <laughs> it's not yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah. Like, oh my God, what did uh, they do to that dog? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it. it. It should be really, really good. And Elsa, Elsa's uh, Chartier is a phenomenal artist. Yeah, the preview art looks amazing. Uh, yeah. I didn't get invited to the Substack party, but I guess I'm not that cool. So, um, I just saw a preview. He put it out for free, so you could look at it anytime you want. The THN Trade of the Week for August 10th goes to Hellboy Universe Essentials Witchfinder Trade Paperback. It's from Dark Horse. It's $14.99. It's written by Mike Magnola. It's got art by Ben Stenbeck and Dave Stewart. You may have heard of all those guys. Here's your solicit. Hellboy Universe Essentials Witchfinder Chronicles, one of Sir Edward Gray's first cases as an agent of the queen in a cult mystery that takes Gray from the sparkling echelons of Victorian London to its dark underbelly. In his inaugural clash with the city's most infamous secret society, the Heliopic Brotherhood of Raw. See, now that sounds kick-ass. The Thieves Guild? Like, did you even think about that? You know, <laughs> the Heliopic Brotherhood <laughs> of Ra thought went into that. That's bad. Right. Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's definitely a name. Hellboy Universe creator Mike Mignola has handpicked this series of Hellboy Universe Essentials adventures for new readers. Dive into the world of Sir Edward Gray, the Witchfinder, with stories by Mignola, Stenbeck, and colors by Dave Stewart. It collects in the service of angels one through five. That's Witchfinder in the service of angels one through five. The Witchfinder kicks ass. He's sort of an occult Sherlock Holmes, hunting down monsters and ghosts in Victorian England. I mean, what more do you need here? Come on. How many times do we have to tell you how kick-ass the Hellboy mythos are? Uh, there was one where he came to America, and it was a, like an Old West story, and it was drawn by, uh, I think it was Russ Heath? John Severin. Yeah. It was, and it's wonderful. It's, Witchfinder is so good. Uh, but yeah. Great. I love this idea. Hellboy Universe Essentials. Uh, that Mike Magnola is like, yeah, you want to read Hellboy? Here you go. I have handpicked things for you to read. Yeah, there's chunks of stuff that'll clue you in as who the character is and why it's important. Yeah. You can find links with more info on our picks in our show notes. And we always post our must read picks on our Discord. You'll find them on Twitters and Facebooks too every Wednesday. So you can make an informed buying decision 
at your local comic book store that we care about, even if DC does not. But that's right. <laughs> let us know what you thought of our picks. Did we get it right? Are we way off base? Do you have the stones to tell us that the Hellboy Mythos don't kick ass? I friggin' dare ya. One, two, three, four, five. Before we get out of here, it's time for a sneak peek of our Patreon Extra. When you support THN on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to all kinds of extra content like our latest edition of the THN Top 5, where this time, in honor of my birthday, we'll be counting down our Top 5 Comic Book Joes. Welcome to another edition of the THN Top 5, where... We count down our five favorite comic book whatevers. This week, a very special theme for a very special little boy. His name is Joe Patrick. He's too old to be celebrating his birthday the way that he does, but he's doing his thing. And I'm going to respect it. Matt, you're not supposed to be afraid of aging. You're not. That's not right. You're doing it wrong. I'm not afraid of aging. I'm upset. You're ashamed of aging. You're not supposed to be, you're supposed to embrace it. As we grow old, we should be more embarrassed of ourselves and hide ourselves away so that young people can have sex and do cool stuff. The point being, Joe Patrick got to pick for his birthday what we were counting down and we settled on our top five comic book Joes. Guys and and girls. uh, Name Joe. It could go both ways. I mean, it could. Technically, in theory. Yeah. I'm just going to get right into it. Do I get to go first? Or, sure. Yeah. Or do you want me to go, you can, you want me to go second five. so that my pick is last? You go. All right. My number five. Here's a quote to describe him. Mean, macho, and greased to kick butt. Armed with a bad attitude, a bad haircut, and the baddest power ring in the universe. Quite the man, quite the specimen. The only trouble is, he's not me. That's a quote from Guy Gardner, which means that my number five favorite comic book Joe is Joe Gardner, a clone of Guy Gardner made by a a clone of Guy Gardner made by a race of aliens called the Drawl, who they sent to her. They intended him to be a sleeper agent on Earth and things didn't go well. He first appeared in the pages of Guy Gardner number 11. This is pre-Warrior, by the way. This is back when Guy was still rocking the cowboy boots and the yellow power ring of Sinestro. Uh, He was created when the Drawl kidnapped Guy Gardner, probed his mind. And uh, so Joe has most of Guy's memories. uh, But because Guy tampered with the process, his memory is incomplete. Uh, Joe broke free of the lab, escaped for Earth. He posed as Guy for a while. even uh, took his place in the Justice League, uh, though they did notice a change in his attitude. Uh, Everybody liked him more, right? <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, he was like, uh, "Guy, you seem a little different." Oh shit! You just executed that alien prisoner. Uh, that's not good. And then the real guy Gardner showed up, and he's like, mm, "That's not me." Uh, Joe Gardner would go on to. Um, Sell his soul to Neron for power. Um, eventually, though, he would uh, team up with the Birds of Prey. Uh, he became like a, a a very like short-lived member of Chuck Dixon's Birds of Prey, uh, and um, 
you know, I don't really know what happened to old Joe Gardner. Believe it or not, his wiki is not really up to date. This just says he's currently imprisoned uh, in the slab. Citation needed. You know who so, I did not know was a clone of Guy Gardner when he was in Birds of Prey, and that's no, Joe. Oh, yeah, Joe Gardner. Joe like, Gardner. He, he, I had no idea. He looks exactly like Guy Gardner. He's I, just it just did not click. Yeah. I did not know that. But yeah, Joe Gardner, my, my, my number five favorite comic book, Joe. Okay. My number five does go to a woman. Her name is Joe Lombard. Do you know who she is? Joe Lombard. Joe Lombard. She's an adorable redhead. She's got some freckles. Yes, she is. Um, uh, she, um, she's she Madman's girlfriend. girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joe Lombard from Madman. She was like this nice secretary. Just wanted to have a normal life, do her thing. And then a guy named Frank Einstein, Madman, came along and ripped her out of her normal life, taking her on a super wild schizophrenic pop culture ride as drawn by Mike Alred, who I love so, 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 so much. Joe Lombard. Oh, you mean Spike Alred? Yeah, Mike Spike Alred. Sorry. Man, the original, the original Madman stuff, it was printed years and years and years ago, I believe at Dark Horse, and then later Image reprinted a bunch of stuff. And no, I'm sorry. Caliber is where it was first printed. I apologize. Yeah. Like later Mad on, Madman first, uh, Madman first appeared in an anthology com- comic called graphic music. Yeah. And, uh, I remember uh, that, uh, I remember when we scored a copy, uh, Dean, Dean and I, were you with us? No, it was big Mike, me, Dean and big Mike went to, uh, Iowa city to uh, go to a clearance sale for a shop that was closing down. And we found a copy of Madman's first appearance. Uh, it was pretty great. Yeah. Graphic, so graphic music. As insane as Madman was, Joe was her, his anchor and he loved him for who he was, even though he had blue skin and metal plate in his head and scars all over his body. Cause he's like a Frankenstein type character. You know, that's a whole different thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I get, the, his name is Frank Einstein. I had the biggest crush on Joe Lombard because she was simply wonderful. Yeah. Later on, Joe's pretty, Joe's she pretty would merge with it girl in, as, in the atomics. And uh, that was a whole thing. She's, I think she's still technically trapped in it girl's body. I don't really know. Uh, I kind of lost track of that stuff. Joe Lombard, my number five. She's so hot. Redhead with oh, focus. very what good. Uh, all right, don't 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 make it weird. Excelsior! Oh. <laughs> that is it for THN 673. Next week, the Cosmic Long Box returns to force us to re- review back issue comics based on a theme. This time, the CLB has the Predator on its brain. One could only wonder why. It's not like they're in the news or have a new comic book coming out or a movie that hits this Friday. I don't know. The point is, we're going to read about... I don't know. You know what else comes out this Friday? Sandman. We could do that. <laughs> That's true. But no, we got to do all Predator comics. Nope, we're doing Predator comics. If we you could w- just do comics with characters named Sandman, but no. Absolutely not. If you want to wrap about this week's episode, comics you're reading, or any of the weekly nerdy news that we are following in our nerd news channel on our Discord, hit us up on our live call-in show, THN Cover to Cover. It returns this Saturday at 11 Central Time. You can watch the broadcast live on Facebook. But if you want to play along, you want to chat with us, you want to talk to us directly, you got to join our Discord and learn how it is done. And we set you up with something to talk about. We call it the question of the week. This week's question is courtesy of Frank Cirillo via Discord. Let's talk about artists that we weren't into when we first saw their work, but who grew on us over time 
the more we were exposed to their stuff. Which artist did you have to learn to love? I like it. Please keep your question of the week suggestions coming. You could send those to me anywhere that I can be found on the internet, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Gmail. You can call the hotline. You could submit them uh, through the contact form at twoeditnerd.com and the Discord channel. If you can't make it on Cover to Cover Live, shoot an MP3 to twoeditnerd at gmail.com or leave a message at the hotline, 402-819-4894. You could be internet famous. We promise it and we deliver. Uh, Please keep your recorded messages on the short side if you're going to send a recording. We have a lot of people that want to play along live and we've got to share the air. If you're new to the show and you're realizing not only are we not very interesting characters, but our costumes suck too, I assure you it's only because you haven't heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital long box archive at TwoHeadedNerd.com. If you dig back far enough, you'll hear me celebrating, Azrael. It's weird. We've grown <laughs> this time. THN is a listener-supported podcast. It would not be possible without the generosity of donors like local sports and food enthusiast Michael Severe, who has a brand new podcast called Run the Damn Kitchen with co-host Nick Bartholomew. Mike. If you don't invite me to this show, we're not friends anymore, okay? If you like what you hear every week, (laughs) it's easy to support the show. You can sign up to be a patron at patreon.com backslash two-headed-nerd, where you will hear all kinds of exclusive content. Or you can just make a one-time donation via the PayPal because it's Joe's birthday and you've got an extra $2,000 just laying around. Yeah, you know, it's... What what a great gift! Yeah, thank you. You're so or generous. Like ten grand, you know. Like I'm not saying it has to stop it too. What it else? doesn't have to be two no. grand. It can be ten grand. How it can much be, do you, know? you like Joe Patrick? That's the question you need to ask. That's it, can you really put a number on it? Can you really put an upper limit on it? I mean, I don't think you can. No, but, you know. it's irresponsible. It is. It's irresponsible and quite frankly offensive. Before we go, our weekly shout out goes to Declan Shalvey who's been promoting his upcoming series Old Dog by inviting anyone, fans and pros alike, to give their interpretation of the book's main character by inking a pencil sketch and tweeting it to the Old Dog Task Force <laughs> hashtag. Um, I believe the hashtag in, uh, you know, in in service of the uh, character limit, it is hashtag Old Dog Task. Uh, I submitted my meager contribution last night and Shalvi liked and retweeted it to his huge audience, which means that old dog number one has become THN's first ever automatic buy it more than a month before its release. There you go. Or do you Declan put that in your cover? An automatic buy it from THN. <laughs> I didn't even read it. And I love it. Joe Patrick, two headed nerd comic book podcast. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer might find out you talked a bunch of Azrael smack and cut your birthday cake in half with a flaming sword. This is the Two-Headed Nerd signing off. Happy birthday, Joe Pat. Thanks, Matt Bomb. I think it would just melt the frosting if you did that. That just doesn't seem like a good idea. I mean, you cut through it. It's a flaming sword. It doesn't just, like, melt people. It cuts through them, you know? But, I mean, you're still cutting through the cake with something that's on fire. That's yeah. like... Set a knife on fire. It'll still cut the cake. All right? <laughs> I'm not saying it's not going to cut the cake. I'm saying it's going to melt the frosting yeah. on its way through the cake. Yeah, exactly. You're not pre-ordering your comics. He's mad at you. Oh, you're doing He's it to be punished. Cutting it yeah, in half with you're a being, flaming you're sword. You're being punished. <laughs> it's not because, like, you're being efficient in your cake. No. Cutting. I get it. He's sorry. ruining it. Sorry. God. That makes way more sense. I'm sorry. We're I, done. We're done. I didn't understand the logistics of the flaming sword. Here. 